Wonderful to see you all. Wow, it's such a beautiful day today, and we get to worship the Lord together. Hi, my name is Toby, and this morning I have a question. What is the most important thing in your life? Simple question. What is the most important thing in your life? I'm sure if I asked you that question at different stages of your life, you would have maybe answered it differently. If you, if you asked me when I was five years old, I would have said, but no question, without a hesitation, my toys, my toys. Who knows what my favorite toy was? Oh, I feel so loved. <laughs> wow, that was so good. Because I was going to bring it up, but I thought maybe you guys know by now. Anyways, transform. it was my favorite. That was the most important thing. I could not get that out of my head. A little later, it would have been my friends, my friends, my homies. You know, those were the important, most important people in my life, most important thing. And at an early teenage days, maybe the fact that no pimples on my face would have been the most important thing. I mean, because that was life and death for me, you know. Right. Oh, no. Yeah. Later on, you know, as a late teenage days, maybe the most important thing in my life, actually it was a place to go to on Friday night. There's a legit party that I could go. I mean, I'm invited. You know, th- th- those are the most important. Just to be honest with you. That was like the most important thing. And then like right before college, the most important thing was my grades. But it was a little too late. So that's why I had to go to community college for a while. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> different stages of life present different and most important thing of our lives. And for some, it's that getting that job, that, that right profession. Of course, sometimes it's health. Most important thing could be owning a home. It's so important, and it's maybe stability, income, finance, savings, and those could be at different stages of life come at you as the most important thing in life. But, but truly, 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 dig deep, dig deep when you say the most true, truest important thing in our life. Today, for me, without any hesitation, I could say that it's salvation. It is salvation that we are forgiven by God through His Son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross, and that there is eternal life with God. There, that is the most important thing that I could ever imagine. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about in chapter 10 of Romans. And we're going to dive right into that. If you haven't received salvation, it is a sure assurance of heaven. I ask that you would be open to receiving that, believing in that today. It could be the day where the rest of your life, for eternity, is going to make a difference. But for all of us who have accepted this salvation, who have had this assurance for heaven, then let us rethink about what it means to be hungering for more salvation in our lives, in our family, in the life of our church. So let's dive right into Romans 10. Hey, uh, let me do some recap. Um, so when we go into Romans, we're, we're learning from Paul, who's writing about the history, too, of, uh, of, of faith. And, you know, God desired to have this relationship with his people. And he chose the Israelites or uh, Jews. He, he, he chose these people and God gave them a set of laws. And they said, hey, these are the laws that I need you to keep. These rules, 
to establish the standard of His holiness because God is so holy. And in order for people to be having a relationship with that same God, with that holy God, there needs to have this laws. There needs to have this purification process. If there's a sin, you need to repent. And there's this atonement. I mean, all these rules that had to be established because God is so holy. He is stern, but also He is full of grace and mercy. And the Israelites experienced this throughout their history, experienced that, His holiness. But also they, when they failed to obey the law, then they got to experience God's mercy and they repented. And that history went on and on. But essentially, instead of seeking God's grace and mercy, the Israelites, they tried to justify themselves. They tried to earn righteousness. And, and they tried to do things on their own. And they began to wander off too to different gods and other power, powerful nations. And that was what's going on. And then we come to Romans 9.31. Let me read this for you. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because... They pursued it, not by faith, but as if it were there, it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. This is an important term. 33 says, as it is written, see, I lay in Zion a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. What is this stumbling stone? The rock. It's Jesus. Jesus was the stumbling stone for the Jews. Even though he said, I have come to fulfill the law. Even though you can't do it on your own, let me take that burden off of you and let me take that. Let me live this life and then you will give my righteousness. That was the beautiful exchange that's supposed to take place. And he says, when you trust in me that I could do that, you will no longer be put to shame. That is the wonderful promise of Jesus to the Jews, to his people. But the Israelites, these Jews, they just, the pride got in their way. They're like, well, how could you, one of us could do that for me? Are you really the son of, they stumbled on Jesus. They couldn't get over that. They couldn't see it with the eyes of their faith. They stumbled. But then that happens all the time. It's this how we see Jesus has been a challenge for people throughout history of our life. Throughout history, that's been a challenge. How could Jesus be the Son of God when he, I, don't, I can't even see Him? How could this happen 2,000 years ago and, and, and just so removed from that situation? How could this be some life-changing event? See, Jesus could be our stumbling block. And some of you may have ex- experienced that. Maybe some of you are experiencing that right now. They're like, I can't get over this. Is he the stumbling rock? Or is he the rock of salvation who will not put you to shame? That is the choice or that is a decision that is given to us. Going back to Romans 10.1. Paul is writing this. Brothers and sisters, my desire My heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. You see, Paul, he is himself a Jew. 
And he absolutely wants the Israelites to seek salvation through Jesus. In order for them to do that, they have to seek humbly. And that is what Paul wants them to do, to seek them, seek Jesus humbly. Don't stumble upon it, but see it as a rock of salvation. That is Paul's desire, desire for the people of Israel. But that is his desire for all of us as well, to receive this wonderful salvation. This is the most important thing in this world. So, the question is, how do we find this salvation? Paul says, it's not good works. It's not the things that you've been building up. It's not even the passion that you have for God, or maybe a sincerity or honesty or doing good things for others. That is not going to save you. See, the Jews, the Israelites had all that, had all of that on the surface, but that couldn't save them. But throughout history, many, many try to find salvation through their work. That's what we do. We try to earn this righteousness. We try to earn our salvation or try to earn our ticket to heaven. But we cannot save ourselves. That salvation does not come from within. It has to come from God, and it is through Jesus Christ. And the Israelites, they rejected him. Essentially, they, that rejection put Jesus on the cross. How about us? How about us today? Where is Jesus? Is he in heaven way the far out there and he's, we can't, maybe living on a different planet? Or do we have to die in order to encounter Jesus? No, the Bible clearly says that he is near. Jesus is here. The Word of God, the Son of God, He is here. In fact, the Bible says in Romans that He is near. It is near. It is on your lips. It is on in your heart. Let's read this together in Romans 10, 9. This is so powerful. Let's read this together, shall we? It says, it says, If you dis- declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Amen. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly bless all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Unfortunately, however, though, for many, this is just too simple, too illogical, too easily available. They say, you mean I don't have to do any of the things that I used to do? Is, Is that... Any work that I'm supposed to, I thought, doing the good things and and earn my righteousness? No. It's there. It is so simple. And there's three facts about this that we just read. Jesus is the Lord. That's, That's what we need to believe. Jesus is the sovereign Lord, the Lord of creation. And He is the Lord of our lives. And then the second thing is Jesus was risen from the dead. He took care of our sin and has resurrected to give us life. And then thirdly, this is the universal offer. This bugs a lot of people. This is for everyone who says, who calls on his name, you will be saved. Have you called upon his name yet? Is this too good to be true? Like that's all? 
Yeah, that's all. And it is too good to be true, but that's why it is the gospel, the good news that doesn't come from us, but it comes from God. And this is the truth that Bible is communicating. So now the challenge that is up against us is, are we all in? to believe in this? Or are we hesitant? Are we half in, maybe half feet in, 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 in the world so that whenever we don't like it, we can just get out? Or are we all in and believing this truth is for me? The goal for this church, goal for all of us as believers in Christ is for all of us to go all in says, this is the truth for me. This is the most important thing in the world. What else is out there? The finance and the money that we build up in our savings, the bank account, we can't bring that to heaven anyways. Is it the mansion, the house that you're trying to build, the dream home that you have? Is that the most important thing? Yeah, and certain people, that can be. But the mansion that God is building, God has made for you, is infinitely better than what we could build on earth. See, we can't bring any of this to heaven. This has to be the salvation through Jesus Christ has to be the most important thing in this world that we could ever imagine. So now we have this message. We have this gospel. And now we have this one joyful responsibility. I say joyful because it's not out of obligation. It's not that we're forced into this. But it is something that because of this salvation message that is taking a grip of our heart. We cannot do anything other than just to go out there and share the good news. See, it's like the, you know, the, your, the country has won, has, has won this victory. And it is like the messenger going out to the people who has been dispersed all over the world. Your people say, hey, the victory is won. We have been saved. And that is the message, just like the messenger back in the day when you won this battle. You go out, that's us. But we do it joyfully. We do it Day by day, step by step, together we go out and share this victory that there is salvation through Jesus. Paul, in chapter 11, he says that he is called to share this message of salvation to the Gentile. That is his calling in life. Gentile are the non-Jewish people who just became a believer, that they're, tra- they're transitioning into this new faith in Jesus Christ. And that's where Paul is being called to. But that is his calling. But Israelites, these Jews are his people. So Paul has passion for both of them, that he's been called to the Gentiles, but he is one of the Jews. So he says that this, this is his natural passion that he has for the Jews. He's feeling for them. He's like, even though they rejected the Savior Jesus, they will one day seek him once again. And will be saved. That is the promise of God. And that is the desire of Paul's heart as we just saw earlier. But here he talks about something very interesting in chapter 11. He says that the gospel that is received by the Gentiles, these non-Jews, that they experience the wonderful blessing through Jesus. That blessing, that mercy of God will make the Jews envious, it says. Is that interesting? It's like the wonderful blessing that God is blessing the Gentiles. And y'all are, well, we're all Gentiles, right? So God has been blessing Christians. And that is going to make the Jews jealous. And eventually, they would want to receive salvation through Christ because of all the things that they're seeing. Isn't that interesting? That is happening in 
our lives. See, for the Jews, the stumbling stone will one day become their cornerstone that everything is built upon. Maybe for some of us, that is the same is true. Jesus had been the stumbling stone. You, you just could not fully trust in that. But when you do, he becomes the cornerstone, the most important piece of your life, your future. And that, Paul believes, that will happen for the Jews. And he wants that for everyone else. So, the question that we want to ask that help us to grow deeper, let's do this together as a church. The growth question is that, who are your people? Those people that you have natural passion for, that you just can't separate yourself from. You know, for, the, for Paul, it was the Jews that he could not forget about them. What about for you? Some of you are from the, the Japanese culture and you know, Japanese brothers and sisters. That is always, for me too, it is always in my heart, whether it's locally or back in Japan, that I always have that heart. That's my people. Who's your people? You know, you, you, you have a background, you have a history, you have a culture that you grew up in. Those are your people. And maybe a place where you grew up, because, you know, for me, I grew up in Huntington Beach. That is always my people, you know. <laughs> and, but, but now I'm placed in Costa Mesa. That is my calling. You know, so we all have these two things. We have people that are you just, you're naturally connected to. And I want you to think about that. But then, who are you called to? Who are those people? For Paul, it was the Gentiles, the, the, the new to faith, those people that are scattered all over that are coming to know Jesus. That was Paul's calling to share the message to them. By the way, it's not time for a weekly challenge yet. But, so, um, but you all, you're all ready. You're, you're ready to finish, right? Okay, but I have a little more to go. But anyways, um, you know, who are you called to? For Paul, it was a Gentile. But for us, maybe God has given you a special heart, a special heart for the disenfranchised. Maybe the marginalized. Maybe the people that are suffering from some type of illness, perhaps AIDS or depression. God has given you a special heart for that. Or maybe uh, these children that is affected, heavily impacted by human trafficking in Thailand and other nations. You might, you might have this special heart calling that God has given you to those people. These are the people that we want, absolutely want to receive the salvation of Jesus. And we hunger for that. We got to hunger for that, for our people and for those God is calling us to. So what do we do? It's very simple. It is to live with the mercy and the grace. Out of that grace and mercy we live. And we just overflow and let God continue to pour into you of that mercy, forgiveness, and continue to live out of that. It says in Romans 11.30, just as you were one time disobedient to God, now you have received mercy and as a result of their disobedience. Verse 31 says, So they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. When we simply overflow with the mercy that we receive, and that's all we do, then the people that we encounter, the people who we are sent to, they're just going to want it. They want that something that I need to have. Church, the salvation is here. You've received that. The most important thing, you already have that. Now, we are being sent out to share the victory message, the word, the salvation message. That is our calling. That is our mission. 
So together we want to read this from Romans 10. This is so, we're going to go back to Romans 10. We're going to read this together. This is so beautiful. Check this out. How then, join me, can they call on the one have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Apostle Paul shared that news to the Gentiles. Apostle means the sent one. And we too are the sent ones to those people that are close to your heart. Those people that are close to your where you live. We're going to be the sent ones. And I'm going to finish by sharing a story about Zavir. He's from Nepal. You know where Nepal is? It's the only country, I think, with the, the triangular flag, I think. Uh, uh, that's a fact, a little uh, like a trivia question. But anyways, the Nepal is a country where 29.7 million people live as of 2018. And the religious background or the breakdown is majority of the country is Hinduism. Hindu is 81.3%. Buddhism is about 9%. Christianity is 7%. And Islam is 4.4. But check this out. In 2011, the record was 1.4 Christians. 2011. In seven years, it has become 7% of the population. Isn't that crazy? It is just exploding. And given the situation in that nation, it is simply a miracle because of this. See, the freedom of religion is allowed in that country. But evangelism or conversion, that is not allowed. What it is, is that religion, their religion is set at birth. Whatever you're born into, it's all you get. You can't share or invite people to believe in what you believe. That is not the thing that you could do. So how can 1.4% in 2011 become 7% in 2018? Christians are sharing this message as sent ones to the people. Zavir grew up as a Muslim. And throughout 20 years, that's all he knew. But at around age of 20, he began to wonder, do I have the assurance of heaven? Am I going to heaven after I die? And that became a big question that bothered him day in, day out, every night. And it just bugged him. So he went to his imam, which is the Muslim teacher. He said, am I going to heaven? And and the teacher said, well, if that is Allah's will, you will. And that's it. And Zabir's like, that's not enough for me. I can't get over that. And he just was such in pain because he couldn't find his answer. When he entered college, there was a lot of Christians from different places of the world. And he asked the same question. Do you have assurance of heaven? Are you going to heaven? And these Christians from left and right, all of them says, of course. Of course, I believe in Jesus. Of course I'm going to heaven. And that shocked Zavir. It's like, wow, that is something that I do not have. And he began to ask for their Bibles. He said, can I read your Bible? He began to read the Word of God, and God captured his heart. And he began to believe that this is what we, he needs. He says, I need Jesus. So he believed. He received his salvation, and he got baptized. 
So as the sent one now, he shared about Jesus and the assurance of heaven to his, his Muslim friends, who was also was having an issue with that same question. And he, he shared with eight friends, and all of them became a Christian that day. And obviously, obviously, as you can imagine, that became an issue in the Muslim community, in that, in that community, because first, you know, you're, you're not allowed to do that. So they got in, they, that's the conclusion that they were given, the penalty. So these eight friends who converted to Christianity, they were whipped, right? And then for Zavir, his sentence was death penalty. So what he done, what he did was he fled to the Kathmandu uh, region of Nepal. He escaped the hands of his persecution. And during that time, he had the chance to just dive into the Word of God. He read it day in, day out. And that the Word of God just continued to speak. And what a spiritual formation that was. And during this time, the, his, his, his growth just, just in, in his faith just took off. One day he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he was given a call to go back to the place where he came from as a missionary to share the salvation message of Jesus. And that's where he is today, sharing his, his, his story of salvation, sharing the life of Jesus. Obviously with the risk of if he gets caught again, his same death penalty is waiting, but that is not stopping him. His steps are filled with joy. How beautiful are those feet bringing the good news of Jesus. Now, for me, I have the assurance of heaven. I have the most important thing. So now, for me, as I walk, my important thing has changed. Now, it is the salvation of my precious daughter, my precious son, and the family who don't know Jesus yet, and the people that I know that don't know Jesus yet. Their salvation it's the most important thing in my life now. And people of Japan, people of Huntington Beach, people of Costa Mesa, where I'm being called to, those are the most important thing for able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ that sets them free for eternity. We, too, are the sent ones. And we, God is going to send us to those areas, to the people carrying the most important message of all. So let us be people, sent ones, who are hungering for more salvation and a life-changing transformation that could take place in other people's life and the assurance of heaven that changes the trajectory of their life. Eternity with God, and that is what we want to hunger for, salvation in our community, in our family, in our church, and all over. Amen? So now you could take out your phones and then go to the weekly challenge. So Romans 10 and 11, would you continue to read that? Because I just only just scratched the surface. So please continue to read. But ask yourself this. Do you truly believe that you've been saved by the grace of God? And then grow. And this is what I want you to get into the groups a little bit. For five minutes, you guys talk about this, this question. Who do you consider as your people, your peeps? Those who are you naturally close to, whether through nationality or family or even friends or neighbors, who are your people? And then who are you called to? Those people who you have deep passion for to share Jesus. That's the question that I want us to talk about now and continue to go throughout the week and then overflow as sent ones to those people. 
What is one thing you could do this week to share the mercy and grace that you receive from God in a practical way? Would you go ahead and uh, before we break out, let us pray. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thank you, Jesus, for this promise of salvation and the fact that we get to live with this great joy. Lord, if there's anybody in this room that hasn't yet to discover this joy or this having the assurance of heaven, would you give them the courage and the boldness to say, I believe. Lord, may they even talk about that in their small groups time. Would you continue to speak to us? And as we go forward as a sent one to the people that you've called to or the where we live or the people that we are associated with, Lord, would you give us just the humility to just share the, the mercy and the grace that we experience, not out of our own goods or not out of the, the work that we've done, but simply with the things that you've done in our lives. And as a result, may people want that. This relationship with you, Jesus, that changed my life and our lives forever. We thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So church, for the next four to five minutes, would you get into group of three or four and then just talk about the second question that is up there of growing. And then at the end, the worship team will come and, and lead us in the, in the last song. All right. Go ahead. Thank you.